Welcome to Discovering Responsible Wealth. This is your host, Frank Congelo. It's a pleasure to be with you this week. Through the month of September, we've been celebrating Life Insurance Awareness Month. And, you know, our topic last week was we were talking about, you know, selecting the right amount of coverage and kind of some of the uses for it, etc. This week's show, we're going to talk about all of the different types of coverage. And around this topic, it, I know for a lot of people, there's a lot of opinions. There's a lot of people that, you know, have had different types and moved back and forth in coverage. And so there's a lot of material to cover here. You know, it's interesting, you know, when we talk about the subject of life insurance, Jesus tells us to love one another. And you've heard me say before, you know, throughout this month that life insurance is an expression of love. I've never seen anybody buy it that didn't love somebody else. So it's always bought with that, that you actually care about somebody or some organization enough that you'd want to make sure that they're okay if you're not here. So with that being said, my guest today is my co-host and one of my partners over at CNA Financial Group, Dave Suki. Dave, pleasure to have you on the show this week. It's good to see you again. Frank, it's always a pleasure to be here. So Dave, last week we were talking about different amounts of insurance, how to select the, the amount and so forth. And you know, we tried to develop this context of if cost wasn't a factor, mm -hmm. you know, what amount of insurance should you have? So the reality though is that cost is gonna be a factor. And so now that we know that cost is going to have some impact on our insurance, you know, what we're going to spend, you know, we should talk about the different types of coverage, the pros and cons of them, and so forth. Now, I've heard people say the only coverage you should ever buy is term insurance. And that's not necessarily true. In fact, that could be a, a very significant mistake in someone's overall planning, and we're going to talk about that today. But the reality is, is that one of the most common types of coverage is term, and it ends up being in the short period of time the most amount of coverage for the least amount of dollars over the short period of time. So mm -hmm. maybe, Dave, you can just take a few minutes and just share with our listeners a little bit about the term insurance, um, maybe a little bit on how it works, some of the different types that there are out there. And then you and I will chat a little bit about the pros and cons of it, and then we'll go from that. And we'll transition into you know the intermediate types into permanent. Yeah, sure. And and term is easy to understand, Frank. And we like things to un we like we like simple. We like simple, right? So, and it, it's a terrific product. It has a, it has a, when utilized in the right situation, it's it's absolutely the, the appropriate decision. Um, it, it's very basic, Frank. You you're going to rent protection, insurance, death benefit from a company, an insurance company, for a certain amount of dollars a year. Okay, so if it's you know a, a, a younger person, they're typically going to pay less in term insurance premiums than an older person. They base it on your life expectancy and your health. Okay, and you qualify through a process of the of sharing your personal financial situation and your health background. So term insurance is similar to renting something or leasing something, where there's a there's a start date, there's an end date, there's a fixed typically premium. You can get ones that adjust as well over that period of time. And then the, the, the situation is simple. If you stop breathing and um, you, were under, you were under the policy time period, they pay a claim. If you reach the, the end of the term and, still, and you're still alive, you have to, know, have to go either through another underwriting process to get a new plan or you wind up um, leaving that plan on the table and, and walking away from it. So, so just, Dave, like, you know, just like anything else in our lives that we would rent or lease. So there's an interesting st statistic that is out, which says that less than 1% of term policies ever result in a claim. That's correct. Okay. So 
what happens? Is it like you buy a term policy and you're like Superman? Is it like you got a guarantee you're not going <laughs> to well, die while you have the coverage? Yeah. What happens here? <laughs> they sele- well, well, the selection process, right? It, and some may know this and some may not. They don't select everybody. It's not, it, you know. That's a good point. It, it's not an entitlement, Frank. You don't, you're not just awarded it. You have to apply and have to be awarded it through through that process. So insurance companies in business, right, they get that out of, you know, every hundred applicants they have that are healthy, one or two of them may wind up not making it through the term and they're going to have to pay a claim. But they also know for the majority that they're going to live far beyond that period of time. Right, and they have actuarial people, smart math people, health people figuring out these numbers. It's statistical mathematics, you know, numbers that are figured out. So, you know, for our listeners, in no way, shape, or form are we suggesting that, hey, you should go get underwritten for insurance, and if you pass the exam and they offer you insurance, don't take it because yeah. you're going to be here for a long time <laughs> because you may be that 1%. And the reality is, is you know, you got to be responsible. you got to take care of the people you love and care about. But the reality is, is that you know, term insurance oftentimes will never pay a claim, yep. and that's also the reason why it can be so inexpensive, and why when we were talking about last week's show and we were saying, hey, twenty times income in coverage, fifteen times income, hey, if necessary, you can buy term insurance relatively inexpensive and provide your family with the right amount of coverage. That's the bottom line. So you can get the right type of coverage if you need to, yep. and you can do it fairly inexpensively. The catch, however, is that as you get closer to a mortality, you get a little bit older, okay, that cost is going to become much more expensive because the probability of claim is going to start to increase significantly, in which case they're going to need more premium dollars in order to pay whatever those claims are going to be for that pool of people. And, and Frank, it, this is just a, a, a basic question. And I remember when I started in this industry, um, you know, in my in my early 20s, how come they don't offer term for life? You know, you know, people go in prison for life, right? There's term sentences uh, for them. Right. Why can't you buy term for life? They do. It's called whole life. A different product. Right. Yeah, functions of, differently, operates right. differently, right? Yeah. Because it, it it doesn't work, right? It doesn't work like that. If we could all buy term for life, we may make we, we may make it a significant part of our planning. Okay. Exactly. And we can buy term for life, by the way, and that's that next type, right? That that, that um, is something we can discuss. So, and just for our listeners, is so you know, step one in this is have the right amount of insurance. That would be step one in any type of planning around your insurance. Step two is is that you know if your budget. You know, is very restrictive. The most inexpensive coverage you can get is, is term insurance, and then they have term that's got a one-year rate. It's like a one-year lease. Then they got like a five-year rate, a ten or twenty or yep. thirty-year rate, which means that they'll guarantee a, a rate for a certain period of time. Generally speaking, the one-year rate is going to be the cheapest rate today. Okay. The longer period terms are going to have a higher rate because what they're going to do is they're going to average the rate. So you're going to pay a little more in the early years and you're going to pay less in the later years, but it's going to be an average kind of a blended rate, whether it be a 10 or a 20 year or whatever the case might be. So when we think in terms of term insurance, that's kind of what you're looking at. Now, Dave, there's a a, a phrase out there that I'd like you to maybe share with our listeners. Um, It's called convertibility. And Maybe we'll talk just a little bit about if we're going to own term, because we can get some stuff that's pretty cheap. I'm an advocate that people should have term that has a good convertibility option 
and so maybe you can take a few minutes and explain convertibility sure and the significance of well, it that's that's with a lease with an option to buy right frank so great um, great ex- explanation you can convert that plan to a different type of plan regardless of health correct so if you know health change is good for the good or the bad the insurance company will not qualify you anymore for your health they'll go off of the original health rating that you had and you can convert it to other types of policies because situations change frank we see clients lives get you know they get more assets in their life they get more cash flow they want to look at things differently now so um that option is very it's very important you mentioned it it's very important to do because they their health even though their finances improve their health may not have and now they're stuck and they go oh i should have done that and they live with that shoulda coulda woulda conversation so it's a great point so if you're going to own term insurance um although there's a lot of cheap terms out there uh get something that has a good convertibility feature so that you know if you're in the middle of the term period or getting towards the end of it and all of a sudden you find out you've got a health condition and you say geez i can't get insurance again and i really need it or i want it for the people that i love and care about my life that convertibility feature is kind of like your ace in the hole to make sure you can keep your coverage. Yes. So important for everybody. So once we go beyond term, we're going to go to the other extreme, and we're going to talk about whole life, and then we're going to talk about stuff that's kind of on the in-between. So mm-hmm. whole life coverage to me, and it was interesting as Dave, if you said, well, if I wanted term insurance forever, mm-hmm. you know, what would I get? And my thing would be is, well, you'd probably get whole life, which means that it's coverage that I can keep for my entire life. I can keep it till, you know, hey, God willing, if I was here and healthy till 110, 120 years old, I can keep it because policies now will go till 120. Yep. So maybe just take a minute and talk a little bit about whole life. Well, whole life, if, if term is renting, whole life would be like buying, right? And, right? and in terms of the way it functions, let's just keep it simple, Frank. You will um, have a premium, a scheduled premium that's higher than a term premium because you're going to buy something instead of renting it now. Right. And it's fixed. It's fixed. And it will it will accrue in a cash value. Have a, a, a have plan, a cash reserve. A, a cash reserve. It's, it's referred to as a cash value. Okay. If done with a company that's mutual, right, and that's a whole other topic, you will earn a dividend. Typically, okay, they're not guaranteed, but and for all our, the companies, for our listeners, mutual company means it's owned by the policyholders, and a dividend is an overcharge or premium. It represents their profits that they give back to the policyholders to offset the costs which affects the performance of the of the of the plan so that cash value will accumulate you'll earn dividends and interest on it and you'll still have that death benefit which will also accumulate um or grow i should say from where it started okay because as you earn a dividend you earn something called a paid up addition typically which will increase your death benefit and for our listeners just as our compliance side is is that dividends aren't guaranteed they fluctuate and also, as a little side note, which is because I'll have people out there and say, oh, you don't want to get a company with dividends. All companies pay dividends. The difference is who they're paying them to. So if I'm a stock company owned by stockholders, I pay the dividend to the stockholders. If I'm a participating company owned by the policyholders, I pay the dividend to the policyholders. So they all pay a dividend if they have profits. Yeah. So it's not a bad thing. It's a good thing. And, Frank, for years it was very – it was just that simple. Right. right. There was term insurance and there was whole life insurance. And based on your, your cash flow and your ability to save money in your assets, you'd make a decision around which one was appropriate for your situation. And for our listeners also, there's nothing wrong with having a little of both. Right. You know, and why I say a little of both is you may have, because you need a certain amount of coverage, 
some term insurance and then you might say hey over a period of time i'd like to lock in some of that coverage because i'd like to keep it forever yep so when we look at it like that you can have some permanent coverage that you can keep forever if you so choose now in between those two and just as an fyi for our listeners again um some people i've heard out there say the rate of return on whole life insurance is terrible and it's in comparison to what is the question so if I'm comparing it to the stock market and I say, well, stocks have averaged, say, 9 or 10% and whole life has averaged 3 or 4%, then I would say, well, stocks have averaged better. But I also had all the other benefits that went along with the insurance and I didn't have the risk. So you can't compare apples and oranges. Although they're both fruits, they're both different. Yep. So it's one of those of right. for a product that perhaps has no risk, it has an excellent rate of return, okay, and it has a lot of good features and benefits that go along with it. So you, you really have to look at all of that. And to take that one side, it, it's kind of a silly perspective. It, it really is, Frank. And it's, a, it, it's something we hear all the time, right? People talk about it. And it, it, it's, it's not a true comparison. And typically in the comparison, there's other factors that aren't counted in. As an example, if you own term insurance and let's say you invested money elsewhere, well, if I don't die and I never, my family never collects a claim, I lost, I lost all those premium. premium dollars, all the investment return I could have had on them, plus I lost the death benefit. Exactly. When you factor that in, it closes the gap. And we're not advocates of either or. We're advocates of both, by the way, meaning having assets invested in grow, growth Absolutely. areas and having some form of protection behind those assets. Okay. Um, but when you understand that from that level, you start to see, wow, this does have a different performance to it than just the, you know, dollars in, dollars out type conversation that's oftentimes taught, Frank, in an hour sales meeting, right, for people that are out in the world preaching that. Good perspective. And so, you know, we've told our listeners both extremes, and now what we're going to do is, you know, on the in-between of the least expensive and then the most guaranteed, there's a whole variety of products that are on the in-between. Those in-between products are all what I refer to as a shift where they're shifting part of the risk to the policyholder. So as an example, there's universal life, there's variable universal life. So universal life is you know, where you know, the cash that's in the policy, it's like term insurance with a side fund, and the side fund is put into fixed safe investments. Mm -hmm. Then there's variable life or variable universal life. So that's like a term policy with the side fund is tied to mutual funds. Mm -hmm. And then there's indexed universal life, <laughs> which is, you know, like a term insurance where they take the side fund and they buy or they tie it to an index-type index. portfolio. But what happens with all of these products is there's a risk shift basically where the insurance company is taking their, their liability of saying, hey, I got a reserve for something, and they're shifting it to the policyholder that the policy, although it may illustrate well over certain assumptions, in the real world, if it doesn't hit those assumptions, those policies can blow up in later years. Correct. So w the, I, the attempt there is to, to put out less money. Yes, and the transfer risk is very important, what you said there, right? The, there, there's no free lunch, Frank, right? You know, somebody says, well, I got, I got, you know, I had, all, I had this type of policy, and then you'd look closer in the details. Well, no, they had something different, and they, they thought it was 
you know, let's say a whole life policy as opposed to a universal life or, a, as you said, this index UL, which is moving through this industry and, and the world fast because of the way the stock markets perform. But, you know, it's like the Wizard of Oz, you know, when you saw it behind the screen and he had all those levers that he's playing, it's the same type of product. There's a lot of levers that they can change after the fact. So Correct. we we just say buyer beware. It, it it's and it's a complicated pro- product, Frank. Right? It's not. Oh, yeah. It's it. You know, if it wasn't complicated, why didn't they build it a hundred years ago? Right? It's it's because now they're they're coming up with newer ideas, new products, and they're and they're complicated analysis that's put into them. You know, so there there is risk associated with them, but those products do exist for our listeners. And one of the funny things too, as we wrap up the show, is. I always say is anytime you see a product that has a secondary guarantee, which means that you had to get insurance on your insurance because it may not perform, <laughs> you know, it should be buyer beware. Yeah. So with that being said, for all of our listeners, you've been listening to Discovering Responsible Wealth. This is your host, Frank Congelos. Our guest today has been David Suki, one of our partners over at CNA Financial Group. If you have questions, you could write to us at the Institute of Responsible Wealth, 2431 Atlantic Avenue, Manasquan, New Jersey, 08736 or email us at info at ifrw.com. Thank you and have a blessed week.